Happy opening day, everyone. It is always a day that is fun for baseball fans, but it's even more fun when your team starts the season 1-0, and that's exactly what the Orioles did with a 10-9 victory over the Boston Red Sox on opening day. And I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2023. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, I'm going to recap the Orioles' 10-9 opening day win over the Boston Red Sox. Go through what the hitters did. Go through what the pitchers did and talk about what the opening day roster officially looks like as it was announced on Thursday morning. Now, this episode is going to look a little bit different than previous episodes, or really than episodes will look throughout the season, because generally, you'll have the episode up the morning after the game ends. I'll get you the five things you need to know from the game, maybe hit on one more key point, and then talk about some other things. But with it being opening day, with it being a big win for the Orioles, and with me changing up the schedule a little bit and waiting till the game was over, I'm going to get you 10 things you need to know here on this episode. Five about the position players and five about the pitcher. So let's jump right into it. Orioles 10, Red Sox 9, your final score from Fenway Park on opening day, a chilly opening day in the high 30s throughout this game. But the Orioles come out with the victory 10-9 to start the season 1-0, still on track for that 162 and oh season but i'll start with the five things you need to know from the orioles position players in this 10 to 9 win and the first thing you need to know i think you already know it but we got to talk about it adley rutschman with a historic day at the plate he goes five for five with a home run four rbis and a walk rutschman reaching base all six times he came to the plate against the red sox in this one he became the first catcher potentially ever now, MLB said it was since at least 1901, but potentially the first catcher ever to have five hits and reach base six times on opening day in Major League Baseball history. That is pretty impressive. And Rutschman got it started early. Second batter of the game, he gets ahead 2-0 against Corey Kluber and launches one into the right field seats for a solo homer to give the Orioles a 1-0 lead. And remember, this was Rutschman's first ever opening day. He was injured last year, didn't come up until mid-May, and his first opening day, his first plate appearance ever on opening day, he goes deep off of Corey Kluber. It was a line drive homer, 402 feet at 105 miles per hour off the bat, and immediately set the tone for the Orioles to go up 1-0. But Adley didn't stop there. Again, a five-hit day. You could argue that the infield single in the ninth inning, which is still being called a hit, was maybe an error by Rafael Devers, but hey, Adley will take the hit certainly to finish it off with a 5-for-5 five five day in this one. He hit the ball hard all day long. Only had a couple of balls that were not hit exactly that hard, but five or four hard hit balls, I should say, for Adley Rutschman on the day. He swung it well. He played great behind the dish. I mean, wow. Can you get a better opening day? I mean, it might have been the best opening day ever by an Oriole and, and probably the best first opening day ever by an Oriole. 
Second thing you need to know about the Orioles' position players in this win is that it was just stolen bases glory. You know, we've talked throughout the offseason about how the new rules might increase stolen bases across Major League Baseball. The bases are bigger, there's less space in between first and second base. And then, of course, with the pickoff rules, you know, you can't pick off more than three times to first. With the pitch clock, it takes guys out of their rhythm a bit. Everybody has agreed it's going to make it easier to steal bases. And the Orioles had the top two finishers in stolen bases in the American League last year. And Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo both were in the starting lineup. And the O's just ran wild in this game. Five for five stealing bases. Jorge Mateo had two. Cedric Mullins had two. And Adam Frazier in his Orioles debut added one. And these stolen bases weren't even close. I mean, most of them, Red Sox catcher Reese McGuire didn't even make a throw down to second, didn't even attempt it. That's how good a jumps the Orioles were getting. The Adam Frazier stolen base was ridiculous because he'd been thrown over there a couple times already. So he just got an insane lead because he knew the pitcher wasn't going to throw over and then literally went into second base standing on a stolen base on a pitch that didn't even like go in the dirt or get away from the catcher. That's how good a jump he got. It's going to be fun to watch the Orioles run the bases this season. Third thing you need to know from the Orioles position players in this one is that the bottom of the lineup was really what produced for the Orioles today. Now I get Adley Rutschman with a five for five and four ribbies out of the two spot, not exactly the bottom of the lineup, but six through nine did really the rest of the damage. Now, Austin Hayes did go 0 for 5 with two strikeouts in the seven hole, but Ramon Arias, who was hitting sixth and did get the start at third base today with Gunnar Henderson DHing, he goes two for four with a home run and two RBIs, had a two run shot in the fourth over the green monster that put the Orioles up three to one. Adam Frazier in his Orioles debut out of the eight hole had a really bad offensive season last year in Seattle. Well, he goes two for four with two doubles, a walk, and three runs scored in this game for the Orioles. Also did strike out once, but had two hard hit balls and also stole the base that I mentioned. And then Jorge Mateo was in the nine hole, got the started shortstop in this one. And we've talked about how, you know, the pressure is going to be on Mateo with Westberg and Ortiz ready to go in AAA for Mateo to swing the bat well. Well, he goes two for three with a couple of singles, an RBI, and a walk, and did not strike out in this game. That is a huge, huge start for Jorge Mateo. He did make a bit of a defensive blunder in the ninth inning. Should have been a double play that ended the game, made things way closer than they needed to be in the bottom of the ninth. But he's earned a little leeway there with how good he was defensively at shortstop last year and a really good offensive game out of the nine hole. Fourth thing you need to know from the position players, we stood over to the defensive side. I mentioned the gaffe from Jorge Mateo. That was really the only thing he did wrong defensively in this game. The Orioles outfield as a whole was horrendous defensively in this game. They had Anthony Santander starting in left with Cedric Mullins in center and Austin Hayes in right field in this game. Now, when the Orioles play at home, Hayes will be in left and Santander in right. But what the Orioles have done on the road is essentially they put Austin Hayes in the corner outfield position that is tougher to play. So if you're wondering why Santander was in left and Hayes in right in this game, is that at Camden Yards, with the new vast left field, it's much tougher to play left field. So that's why Hayes goes out there. And with the shorter wall, you know, in terms of distance to home plate in right field, it makes it an easier position. Well, at Fenway Park, I know it's tough to deal with the green monster, but there's just much less space out there because the monster's so close to the infield. So that's why Santander plays left, and there's the alleys out there in right field that Hayes patrols. But even Cedric Mullins didn't have a good game. I mean, the... Lead-off triple by Alex Verdugo in the bottom of the first. Ball Mullins could have caught. Maybe it hurt him that 
He was with the Team USA in the WBC for a long time. Didn't play much. So didn't get a lot of game reps when other guys were getting reps in spring training. Austin Hayes let a ball go over his head that he absolutely should not have for extra bases. And then Santander had two plays in left field where he looked really bad. One of them just broke back on a ball that should have been easily catchable, let it land in for a base hit. Another one got turned around on that two-run double in the eighth inning by Christian Arroyo. Should have probably been caught for the final out of the inning. Instead, it made it a 10-7 game. Just went right over his head. Ryan McKenna did replace him defensively and left in the ninth inning. And then McKenna made a weird play where he cut off Mullins, blocked him from the ball, and Mullins then bobbled it on an Alex Verdugo hit. It was just a... A weird, weird day out there. Hopefully the O's can can flush that one. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' position players in this 10-9 opening day win is that Ryan Mountcastle did not strike out and walk twice in this game. Mountcastle went one for four with a double in this game, did have an RBI, but the big stat was two walks and no strikeouts. Mountcastle, known as a guy, a free swinger who strikes out a lot, does not walk a lot. Ryan Mountcastle did not walk all of spring training, and then he walked in his first plate appearance of the season against Corey Kluber in the first inning, walked again later in the game. He only had 43 walks in 609 plate appearances last season. That is abysmal. He now has two walks in six plate appearances this season. Much, much better percentage. Don't think he'll sit at that rate all year, but a really, really good sign for Ryan Mountcastle. And of course, it was a big day for the offense. Yeah, there were some defensive woes, but the Orioles had 10 runs on 15 hits in this game against the Red Sox. That is why they won this game. They mashed the ball all day. They got Corey Kluber out of there after three and a third innings. They hit Brian Brazier hard. They hit Caleb Ort hard. They went all over this bullpen. I mean, the Orioles legitimately up and down the lineup, eight of their nine hitters had at least one hard hit ball. You had five guys with at least two hard hit balls in this game, and they were smoking the ball, 17 hard hit balls for the Orioles in this game. Now, the pitching probably could have done a little better job of making this game a blowout. Instead, things got a little dicey at the end. And coming up next, I'm going to break down the five things you need to know from the Orioles pitching staff here in the season opener. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets this weekend in Houston. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So we're taking a look back at opening day here for the Orioles. They beat the Red Sox 10-9 to open the season 1-0. It is a fun time in Birdland. But let's be honest. Things were rolling along pretty well in this game for the Orioles. And it looked like at a couple different points, this was going to be a blowout. I mean, they get the four-run fourth to go up 5-1. to They get three more in the fifth 
all of a sudden they're leading eight to two. Then it becomes eight to four, but they add two more in the seventh. And they're go to the bottom of the eighth, leading this game 10 to four. You think they're going to run away with this, but then Poston scores five more runs and makes it very interesting. It was because the Orioles pitching staff did struggle a bit in this game. So I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles pitchers in this opening day win. And the first thing you need to know is that Kyle Gibson in his Orioles debut, he wasn't amazing, but he kept the O's in it. Gibson goes five plus innings, allowing four runs on six hits. He struck out three, walked only one, did not allow a home run through 79 pitches in this game. He did only allow six hard hit balls. He did pitch into the sixth inning, but allowed a couple of base runners to the first two guys he faced in the sixth and then came out. There wasn't really a pitch that was working super well for Gibson. I think that's why he only got through five innings in this game. He only had six total whiffs. Now, three of them were on his sweeper, which was probably his best pitch of the day. But he just had the kitchen sink approach. 79 pitches for Gibson. Here's the breakdown. 17 cutters, 16 changeups, 15 sinkers, 15 sweepers, 11 four-seam fastballs, and five curveballs. That was the 79 pitches for Gibson. He literally threw everything at these Red Sox hitters. So, yeah, his velo was nothing to ride home about. And, I mean, you know, the hardest pitch he threw was he threw one 93-mile-per-hour pitch. Generally, he was 90-91 all day. But he mixed pitches. He was in and out of the strike zone. He did enough to help the Orioles win this game. And I would say, eh, solid debut with the Orioles. If you remember back to Jordan Lyle's debut with the Orioles in Tampa last year, he did not look good at all and turned out to be a pretty productive pitcher. I would say this is a better start for Gibson and much better, much better than his first career opening day start went when he gave up five runs and got one out for the Rangers in 2021. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles pitchers as we move to the bullpen, CNL Perez looked really good, really efficient. In his first appearance of the season, Perez came into this game and pitched a clean seventh inning, one, two, three, through just 10 pitches, basically was in the strike zone the entire time. Didn't get any strikeouts, but the stuff looked good. It played well. He pounded the zone, which you always like to see from Perez. He went with mostly fastballs. It was six four-seamers, three sinkers, and he only threw one slider, which was interesting because his slider looked like his best pitch throughout spring training. But he had it going with the fastball. He was throwing 96-97 and just mowing guys down and got through a pretty easy inning. Third thing you need to know is that on the flip side, it once again did not look good for Brian Baker. Baker, of course, who had his struggles early last year, then finished the last two months of 2022 just incredibly strong. And I thought made himself a lock for the 2023 bullpen when he did that. And that was proven to us when Baker really, really struggled in spring training. Now, as I've talked about on this podcast this week, the Orioles really aren't looking at spring training stats that much when configuring their opening day roster. It didn't help Baker to be that terrible, but he was going to be on the roster either way. But things continued to go poorly. Baker took over in the eighth inning with the Orioles leading 10 to 4, and it did not go well. He actually struck out Rafael Devers to start the inning, but the strikeout was it was one and two, and Devers got a pitch clock violation. He became the first batter this season in Major League Baseball to strike out on a pitch clock violation. So that was one of Baker's outs. It was basically just handed to him by the pitch clock. He only got two outs. He allowed three runs on two hits with a walk and a strikeout. Also hit a batter in the inning. Yes, Santander didn't help him out. Made kind of a bad play that allowed the two-run double in the eighth. But 
it was a little concerning from Brian Baker. He was kind of all over the place. The stuff was not super electric. The velo was a little down from what we saw last year. He only threw two change-ups, which is his best pitch generally. He didn't throw the cutter. He's kind of gotten rid of that cutter and turned it into a slider, which is good because that cutter was horrendous last year. But I just didn't love what I saw from the first outing of the year from Brian Baker. It could certainly get better, but didn't love what I saw in outing number one. Fourth thing you need to know from this one, just give a round of applause to Logan Gillespie. And listen, Gillespie only faced one batter in this game, but it was one of the biggest at-bats of the game. After Baker had been crumbling, Gillespie, who kind of surprisingly made this roster and I think was the final man to make the roster, we'll talk about that coming up in a bit, but he makes the roster, and not only does he make the roster as probably the last relief arm to get in, he comes into the game in a key spot. Baker can't get out of the eighth, so Glaspie has to come in. It's a 10-7 game, runner on second with two outs in the bottom of the eighth inning. And he comes in there and just goes after Connor Wong and strikes him out on six pitches. It was the only batter Glaspie faced, but the stuff looked really, really good. And at times last year for Logan Gillespie, after the Orioles added him to the 40-man roster, and he was kind of up and down between the majors and AAA last season, I mean, the stuff looked good, but it was on a different level in this game. Six pitches, he threw four sliders, one curveball, and one four-seamer. His fastball was sitting 97. Last year, it sat 95. His curveball velo was up, the slider velo was up, and the break was up as well. His spin was way up on his pitches. Logan Gillespie... I maybe wrote him off too soon in spring training. The stuff was looking good to that one batter. And then the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles pitchers on opening day is that, listen, Felix Bautista was a little shaky, but he got the job done. He wasn't helped by his defense. Neither was really any Orioles pitcher on this day, but he got the job done. Bautista comes in for the save in the ninth with the Orioles leading the game 10-7, to and it was not a good start. He gives up a walk. He gives up a double. All of a sudden... There's runners on second and third with nobody out. Gets a big strikeout of Rafael Devers. And then things kind of get away from the Orioles' infield. Justin Turner hits a slow roller up the line. Arias can't get to it quick enough. It's an infield single that scores a run. Then he gets a ground ball to short, which should have been an easy, easy double play to end the game with one out and runners on first and third. Mateo picks it up, steps on the second base bag for one. Had plenty of time to throw out Yoshida and just spikes the throw over to Mountcastle, bounces it past him. The run scores, Yoshida goes to second. All of a sudden, the tying runs at second with two down in the ninth. And uh, yeah, it was um, it was not great, but Bautista brought it back together, took a deep breath, recalmed his nerves, and strikes out Adam Duvall on three pitches to end the game and start his season with a save. Now, in terms of the stuff, the velo was kind of down early in the outing. That's what you would expect. Bautista was kind of building up throughout the spring. He did touch 99.6, never quite got to 100, but he was sitting 97. His splitter velo was down as well, and he really was having trouble commanding that splitter. But listen, even when it was still a tough inning, Bautista still got six whiffs in the inning. He still got out of it with the save. Should have been out of it much sooner than that, if not for the Mateo error and the Orioles. Somehow hung on and won that baseball game on Thursday. And it was a very fun one to win this for the O's. And listen, they did use a lot of pitchers, right? I mean, Gibson gets the start, and they do use five relievers. And Bautista threw 25 pitches. I mean, he wouldn't have been available here on Friday. However, you get the off day Friday, and he might be right back in there 
on Saturday. But it was interesting to see how Hyde went to the bullpen. He started with Keegan Aiken, then went Perez, Baker, Gillespie, and Bautista. We also saw Coulomb warming up as well. Because it was interesting to see how he would use those eight pitchers that he put in the bullpen on the opening day roster. And that's how we'll finish today's episode coming up next. The O's, kind of shortly before the game, late morning on Thursday, finally announced the 26-man opening day roster for 2023. And even still, there were a few surprises. So we'll talk about what those were and how the roster shapes out to start the season coming up next. So it's Orioles 10 and Red Sox 9, your final score from Fenway Park in Boston. The Orioles starting the season 1-0. and And I am hoping, with my fantasy baseball Baltimore Orioles, to also start the season 1-0. and And we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen. But for your second listen, check out Locked on Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So to finish off today's episode, I wanted to talk a bit about the opening day roster because we've been projecting it all spring training. I did my final projections on Monday's episode, talked about it more on Tuesday when we learned the Orioles would be sending Grayson Rodriguez down to AAA. But the deadline to submit the roster was noon on Thursday, and the Orioles basically waited till about 10.30, 11 a.m. to submit that roster. But we finally did know the 26 guys. And there were still some questions about what that roster was going to look like leading up even all the way to Thursday morning. But we finally did get those answers. So here were kind of the big moves that were question marks for the Orioles. We had heard that there was a good chance James McCann was going to start the year on the injured list with that oblique injury, and it turns out that is the case. McCann was put on the injured list, which means Anthony Bemboom made the Orioles team as the backup catcher, just like he did out of camp last season. Now, according to McCann, it's not super serious. Brandon Hyde said he hopes to have him back in about two weeks. It shouldn't be much longer than the 10-day injured list stint. But Ben Boom does go to the active roster. Now, Ben Boom had to be placed on the 40-man roster, but John Means was transferred to the 60-day IL, which opened up a 40-man spot to put Ben Boom on there as he makes the team as the backup catcher out of camp. Now, speaking of the injured list, Michael Givens went there as well. We kind of knew that was happening after the knee injury, but the Orioles made it official. And so with Rodriguez down in AAA and Tyler Wells going to the bullpen and Michael Givens on the injured list, along with Dylan Tate, who also starts the year on the injured list, the Orioles had basically three extra open spots in their bullpen. And they gave them to Danny Colomb, who they acquired from the Twins earlier this week. They gave one to Mike Bauman, who was converted to mainly a reliever and had a good spring. And then it was basically down to Joey Crable and Logan Gillespie. And honestly, I thought, you know, Crable has more time in the big leagues. He, you know, had six straight scoreless appearances to end his spring. I just figured the Orioles would trust him a little bit more, but... The Orioles gave the spot to Logan Gillespie, and Joey Crable, although he did travel with the team on the taxi squad, he did not make the opening day roster. He was presumably the final cut and was basically the 27th man for this Orioles team. So it'll be interesting to see. You would think Crable's probably the first guy up if anybody gets sent down or gets injured and they need another arm in the bullpen. But right now, they went with Gillespie over Crable, and I think we saw on Thursday 
why the Orioles made that decision. Gillespie comes in. I don't think he thought he was going to have to pitch in that eighth inning, but he did. And all of a sudden he comes into the game and gets a huge, huge strikeout to help the Orioles win the game. So here is that full opening day roster. Your catchers are Adley Rutschman and Anthony Benboom. Your infielders are Adam Frazier, Gunnar Henderson, Jorge Mateo, Ryan Mountcastle, Ramon Arias, and Taryn Vavra. And your outfield is Austin Hayes, Ryan McKenna, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, and Kyle Stowers. On the roster in the starting rotation, you have Kyle Gibson, along with Dean Kramer, Cole Irvin, Kyle Bradish, and then Tyler Wells. And in the bullpen, the Orioles have Brian Baker, Mike Bauman, Felix Bautista, Logan Gillespie, Austin Voth, Keegan Aiken, Danny Colomb, and CNL Perez. Those are the 26 players that the Orioles put on the opening day roster. Never got one right out of my four opening day roster predictions this spring. Did not go 26 for 26, but there were injuries. There's a trade they made two days before opening day. It's always tough for those predictions, and there were still a couple of surprises waiting there for us on Thursday morning. But either way, listen, it was a great opening day. Offense explodes. Pitching just, just enough for the Orioles to hold on for a 10-9 to win over the Red Sox. And then, as usually happens on opening day, you get a day off the next day because generally they leave a day off the next day just in case it rains the day before and you have to push opening day. You don't want to start your season with a doubleheader. So Orioles and Red Sox are off on Friday, but they are back in action on Saturday and Sunday to finish off the series. Locked on Orioles podcast will also be off on Friday. Sorry about the kind of odd schedule this week with the later episode here and just the division preview on Wednesday, no episode Friday. Sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes, unfortunately, life gets in the way during the week of opening day. But I will be back on Monday recapping all things from the rest of this series. Game two on Saturday at 4 o'clock, Dean Kramer versus Chris Sale. And then the series finale on Sunday at 1.30, Cole Irvin goes for the Orioles and Tanner Houck goes for the Red Sox. Hopefully the O's can get at least one of the final two, win a series, and I'll recap it all when I return on Monday's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.